I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. And like always, I'm joined by my husband and my co-host, Josiah. How are you doing today? Great, babe. It's hot here, 97 at the time of recording this in yeah. Minneapolis. So to the world that thinks that we're frozen, Tundra, that only happens in the winter. And we're melting this summer. We're so doing great. We we're, we're loving literally it. Literally melting like a popsicle on the 4th of July, which was yesterday. So happy Monday to everybody listening. Hope that you are doing well. Hope you're having an amazing week so far. And Josiah, we know that there are many people, maybe it's their first time listening. Maybe they want to get plugged in. How can they do that? What are some ways that they can get some more information in their hands? Definitely. Here's the thing is new episodes of Young Adults Today launch every Monday morning with fresh content. So thanks for subscribing, rating, review and sharing. We're excited uh, to just talk with you guys and to talk with amazing guests. By the way, we're joined by an amazing guest. We just want to say welcome and a big hello to Emma Dodder. How are you? Doing well. Thank you guys for having me. You bet. And Micah, tell us a little bit about our guest. Well, we are so thrilled to have her. First of all, Emma, I just have to say that I have only met you once in person, but I've seen your heart from leadership to authenticity to the desire to see the next generation um, of young adults touched and reached. And just from a biblical literacy point to how how you run things behind the scenes, you just did a phenomenal job. We were just at an event with you not too long ago, and you were you were the go-to girl. Like you knew what was going on. You were just in tune with everything and just admire your desire to do what God's called you to do. And um, so for those of you who do not know who Emma Dodder is, she's part of an amazing team yes. leading the porch at Watermark Church in amazing Dallas, church. Texas. Great so church. if you haven't checked that place out and you're ever downtown in the Dallas area, be sure to check out their young adult ministry as well as their Sunday services because you will not be disappointed. But Emma also is a very passionate about helping her generation understand the Bible. Praise God. Come we need on, more somebody. of that. So she has been creating some cutting edge content with like videos, a brand new book that is going to be an incredible blessing and encouragement. And we just want to say, Emma, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you. That, wow, you guys, you got to feel good after that intro. Humble, <laughs> truly. Definitely. And we want to talk about your book. We want to talk about the faith of the next mm -hmm. generation, things you're seeing in your generation, in our generation, at the porch, at Watermark, um, but also just biblical literacy is one of the key things yeah. that we want to dive in and touch on. But before we get there, can you just give us some background of your journey of life, faith, and leadership, and kind of how you became passionate about the things you're doing today? Absolutely. Yeah. So I grew up with parents who loved Jesus. They knew Jesus, grew up in the church. We moved, we moved around a ton growing up. Uh, but my parents always modeled the importance of finding a new church home in every city we lived in. And when I was seven, my dad led me to the Lord in my bedroom. Uh, and as a seven-year-old, like oh I, I hear stories a lot of young adults who grew up in the church. Maybe they got baptized as a kid and then they get to be in college or even later into their twenties. And they realize like, hey, I don't know if I actually knew what I was doing or just did it because a sibling did or a friend, mm -hmm. whatever. But for me at seven, I... I grasped the gospel in like the simplest way. So I, I believed I was a sinner. Like I was a kid who had 
fight with my siblings. I disobey my parents, like, like any kid does. But I, I got that idea, that concept that, hey, I, I fall short. I don't always get it right. And sin is anything I think, say, or do that doesn't please God. And mm-hmm. I do a lot of things that don't please God. And so as a kid, I got that basic truth. And then I understood that because God loved me, he sent his son Jesus to die, taking the punishment I deserve, but that it didn't stop there. And he rose again, defeating the grave. And I believed that, that I could, I could have life if I trusted in Jesus. And so at seven, I got that. <laughs> As I grew up, what I began to misunderstand was that being a Christian, or I thought being a Christian meant you just didn't get in trouble anymore. So be a good kid, stay out of trouble, make good grades. That's what it is. That's what it means to be a Christian. And I, nobody taught me that, but I just began to believe that for sure practically in my life. And around middle school, I, all the moving, like growing up is catching up to me. And I started to really struggle in school, which is so funny to say, because a lot of people look at me now and they're like, I'm sure you like straight A student, whatever, but I really struggled. And I, uh, I thought I'm a Christian, can't get in trouble. Easiest way to get in trouble in my house was to make bad grades. And so I just started cheating all through school. Uh, and I'd figured out like how to not get caught, all that stuff. And so nobody knew. And I thought, all right, I'm doing it. I'm going to stay out of trouble, make good enough grades. Like everything's good. In the summer before I went to high school, I went to a, a Christian camp where I saw college students, young adults who were living for Jesus. Like they would talk about their sin in a way where they weren't like proud of it, but they also weren't ashamed. Mm-hmm. And then these college students were excited to study their Bibles. Like it wasn't a chore. They enjoyed it. And I realized like, Hey, these, these college students who I look up to, they have something I don't at, I guess I was like 13 at the time. And that's when I would say the trajectory of my life following Jesus changed. Mm -hmm. And in a practical sense, that looked like coming home, telling my parents I'd been cheating, spending the summer and tutoring all this stuff uh, that wasn't fun. But at the same time, it was the beginning of, my passion for God's word growing. And what those young adults taught me to do was, hey, just pray that God would give you a desire to study his word. And so I went from hating school and hating reading and all of this stuff to suddenly praying nearly every day at 13, 14, God, would you give me a hunger for your word? Mm-hmm. And I, looking back on that, I'm like, I did not know that that was abnormal for a 13, 14 year old. I just thought, oh, when you actually understand Christianity, in Jesus, this is something you want to do. And this is what all the youth group kids do. But in reality, like we would know, hey, most most kids probably aren't praying that prayer. Uh, but I encourage those that I do know too, to pray it. Uh, but went into high school, like on one hand, every youth pastor's dream kid, radically chasing Jesus, getting in the word, having quiet time, inviting friends to youth group. But then as high school progressed, start dating a guy also in the youth group, really just believed, hey, as long as you don't have sex, you're good. Living in sin, not telling anybody about that. And so my life was just being pulled in two mm-hmm. directions. But as I'm chasing Jesus on, with my left hand, like that conviction's growing about what's going on on the right side. And uh, went into college, ending that relationship. And by God's grace, like immediately was discipled in what it looked like to walk in a relationship that honored the Lord. Uh, but actually went into college saying I wanted to be a dance coach. So ministry wasn't on the radar, working for a church wasn't on the radar. I just thought, hey, my 
high public high school dance coach let me talk about Jesus at school. And so when I grow up, I want to be a dance coach like her and that's amazing and, and do that. Uh, but as, as I was discipled throughout school, went to Texas A&M, uh, I began to realize what I loved about dance was the ministry opportunities it provided for me to reach my peers, uh, as opposed to dance itself. And I went to Texas A&M, which nobody goes to Texas A&M to study dance. So that, was, that alone was like, why did, I, why did I make that choice? I don't know. Uh, but that was the beginning of the Lord calling me to ministry, that realization that I'd been doing ministry. I'm making air quotes uh, with my hands. But I, I realized like, oh, this is what God's been pulling my heart towards all this time from praying that prayer that I'd be uh, eager to get in the word. Fast forward four years, eight years. Oh, wow. I've been studying my Bible for a good while. Uh, and, and God wants to use this knowledge that he's given me. And what, what might that look like? Emma, that's amazing. What a journey of God's faithfulness that you're mm-hmm. on. And the part that spoke to me most, we have a 14 month old daughter, Aurora. And one of our prayers for her mm-hmm. is that she would come to know Jesus at a very young age. And so just the, the girl dad in my heart <laughs> exploded when you talked about the story where your dad led you to know Jesus in your bedroom at right. age seven. That is so right. powerful. Yeah. And it was just a like regular night. It wasn't a VBS or a camp. It was just doing life with parents who love Jesus. And what a blessing. Wow. That's so incredible. I think even just hearing your story unfold, like God constantly, by the sounds of it, was always providing opportunities for you, providing opportunities for friendship, leadership, discipleship on ways that you may not have even have recognized in the process. And those passion points, you know, of you saying like, it wasn't even necessarily dance. It was the ministry of what I got to do through dance. That was the passion that kind of was stirring in your heart during that time. And I really like what you had said about being around young adults who were able to talk about their sin openly and uh, the, not the proud factor. I'm like proud of what they've walked through or proud of what they've done or chosen to do and not you know, being ashamed of sharing their story. And I think so many times as young adults, they feel that guilt, they feel that shame, they feel that condemnation, whether it's from the church or from another believer or from people who are supposedly mentoring them or discipling them. And a lot of it is just creating a safe space where we can process life and process our family dynamics and our family trees and our personal um, issues or our personal layers of messiness and just the importance of discipleship. And when you said that you got, you stepped into your first year of college, like ending that relationship that you knew was essentially not of God or a godly decision um, in the time of this remaining in that, but stepping out of that relationship and into a form of discipleship. And I think so many times we look at 18 to 30 year olds and we expect them to have discipleship happening in their life or mentorship happening in their life and Bible time, crazy prayers at age 13, you know, like and really seeking God. And Emma, I would just love for you to talk even more so like, what are you seeing among the next generation of 18 to 30 year olds when it comes to like their personal walk and faith with Jesus Christ? Totally. That's honestly, I love that question because that's a lot of how I my answer is how I got started doing what I, what I do now. So right out of college, I took a job working in college ministry with college students at Texas A&M, think women's director type role. 
And I began to see these juniors and seniors who'd come into my office and they'd grown up a lot like me in church, around church, or went to college and got really involved in the church, leading sorority Bible studies, all that kind of stuff. And they, they get to be juniors and seniors and they realize, oh my gosh, I don't actually know my Bible like mm-hmm. wow. I, I should. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there's this tendency to read. And when we come across something that we don't understand, we just skip it. Wow. Whether it's genealogies that are well, like nobody, well, I'm sure somebody does, but nobody generally speaking loves to read genealogies, right? But there's so much <laughs> more that we come across and it's like, hey, I don't really know what that means. I just skip it, keep reading. And they get to, they got to be 2021 and they realize I've been skipping for five, 10, two years, however long. And now there was, I almost saw this shame of like, I've, I should know the answers and I don't, it's, I can't ask because I know people think I think I know my stuff uh, from basics of like, Hey, what, do, what does it look like to spend time with God in his word mm-hmm. to the narrative of scripture as a whole? Like there's a, an array in there, but I just, I saw this shame of like mm. feeling like I should know the answers, but I don't. And I'm embarrassed to ask. Then on the flip side, though, I also see in our generation, this eagerness to learn, like mm-hmm. information yeah. generation, the accessibility of information is out there. And so how do I take this information and practically apply it to my life? Like I can listen to podcasts all day long, but how do I walk away with something tangible that actually changes how I live or how I relate mm-hmm. to the world? And those two things, the need of skipping and not, not knowing the answers or where to start, and then not knowing what to do with the information was the burden that the Lord placed on my heart to step into and just evaluate, hey, what gifts has the Lord given me and what passions has he given me and how might I be able to help meet this need in my generation? That's so good. That's amazing. And I just had coffee with one of our young adults on Friday mm-hmm. and um, we catch up every summer when we can. And he had just described, he grew up by the way at an amazing church, great mm-hmm. family, amazing church here in the twin cities of Minnesota. And he got to college out of state and came back home over the summer, wanted to catch up. And while he was there, he had this realization and epiphany. He's like, wow, he found a great home church got involved Mm -hmm. in campus ministry, but he's like, wow, I was actually following a church. I wasn't Mm -hmm. following Jesus. Right. Yeah. And it's just crazy. The things that you're seeing in this generation, I think it, I just had an experience like that on Friday. And, Mm -hmm. um, one of the other experiences that we loved was visiting Watermark Community Church, visiting the porch on Mm -hmm. a Tuesday night and sheesh, oh my (laughs) gosh. Um, as a college pastor, as a young adult ministry leader, I would just challenge anybody who's passionate about the next generation. And you find yourself listening to this episode mm-hmm. right now, pay your way and make your way to Dallas, Texas on a Tuesday night, check out the porch. I haven't seen anything like it right. in the world that meets weekly on a Tuesday night, the hunger, the doors open a few minutes before, and it's jam packed. You got to get there early find a good spot. But um, it's just really incredible. We had a great experience with your team, amazing team. But can you talk a little bit about the role that you're actively serving within the local church um, as a part of the team at The Porch? Absolutely. So The Porch is a young adults ministry, like you just said, and we are in an incredibly corporate area of Dallas. So think 
young adults all over Texas graduate college, move to Dallas to start their careers. Sure. And the, the porch simply acts as a funnel to the local church. So our goal is to be the front door for young adults who want to get plugged in at Watermark. And my role specifically, though, is actually a lot of behind the scenes. So on Tuesday nights, I get to meet, meet young adults, hang out, meet leaders, uh, but don't, don't uh, want to take too much credit for the Tuesday night. Is, is amazing. But I oversee lots of events the porch puts on. So met you guys at an event called the Young Adult Ministry Collective, which was an opportunity for young adult leaders across the country to gather, be encouraged, learn from one another, and, and really just spend some sweet time in fellowship, amazing. getting your mm-hmm. about what God's doing all over the country. But currently the event I'm on is Awaken, which is the porch's national conference. So think Um, If you've seen the porch, it's the porch on steroids. So people who listen to the podcast or uh, who hear about it through the Young Adults Today podcast, it is (laughs) Labor Day weekend. The tickets are almost sold out. So by the time this podcast releases, I don't know if if we'll have any more, but maybe next year. There you go. For sure. I do all of the logistics that go into the operations of that. So things like speaker requests, ticket sales, volunteers, and all the in-betweens. Yeah. Well, I will just say that you do a phenomenal job at no least, kidding. even though I don't know if you were, if you, I had an admin job behind the scene and we would put together a conference and to know the size of the porch every Tuesday night is like a mini conference every that week is weekly. And I couldn't imagine just the, I don't know, the high caliber leadership that you have to have the organizational skills, the functionality and just you have the personality to do it and you just do such an amazing job Emma and it's just so fun to meet you and the team and to connect like you said I think the key word a lot of our listeners are longing to connect with each other connect with other leaders who are walking through deep waters who are starting young adult ministries who are kind of wrestling with like who am I outside of ministry who am I outside of the leadership role or the hat that I may wear or the role that I may play during, you know, a weekly event or the go-to person. And, and a lot of the things that we've come down to is the importance of biblical literacy. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we come across people who maybe they're credentialed, they're licensed, they're ordained, they're fresh out of college. They're eager to learn and put their hands to something. And we're just seeing that biblical literacy is vital even it's, it's more important than the word influencer. It's more important than the process of leadership. It has a lot to do with your personal character building within the understanding, the context of biblical literacy. Because if I don't understand the characteristics of Christ, how do I know what I should be praying for? Like you had said, when you were like 13, 14 years old in middle school, Lord, give me a desire to understand and learn and kind of hold on to the word of God. And to pray those bold, audacious prayers and to be in tune, to have the wisdom, the knowledge and the discernment um, in our leadership roles, whether we're a key volunteer listening today, or we are desiring to start something from scratch, or maybe you're taking over something that's already existing Mm -hmm. and don't let the 2000 numbers overwhelm you when there's only two showing up at your Bible study. Like it's okay. We all had to start somewhere, right? Yes. So Emma, I would just be so curious just to kind of see and lean into this passion point of yours 
but what are you seeing as young adults among your generation um, when it comes to the biblical literacy aspect of, of what you're doing and what you're being exposed to weekly even? Sure. Um, I see. So, well, at the porch, we target the person who's one foot in, one foot out. Mm-hmm. So we're going for the young adult who's not convinced that Jesus, following Jesus is worth it. And so that person might have grown up in the church. They might have dabbled with church in college, or they might have no exposure entirely, but they'd probably say, I'm a Christian, whether that's yeah. culturally nominal, whatever. And what, what I've noticed is that it, it, when it comes to growing your, your understanding of the Bible, your biblical literacy among young adults, it's knowing where to start. Mm-hmm. So there's, I think two, two ditches. It's like, I just started at the beginning open to Genesis chapters one, two, three, I'm good. And then I get these weird names and <laughs> people live to be so old. Like, what do I, what do I do with this? And the lists get longer and the names get longer and the people live longer and your willingness to read your Bible grows shorter. Right. Because it's, it's intimidating. It's foreign. We don't get it. Uh, or there's this uh, zeal and passion where it's let me soak in as much as I possibly can as quickly as possible. And uh, that's the person who's hungry mm-hmm. and eager to grow. They just need someone to come alongside them and help them right. direct that energy uh, because they're, they're going to read something and they might not fully understand what they're, what they're reading when it comes to its application, but they're just a sponge. So soak in as much as possible. Mm -hmm. So that young adult might look at a verse uh, like Joshua 1, 8, this book of the law should not depart from your mouth, but you should meditate it, meditate on it day and night, be being careful to do according to all that's written in it for then you will make your way prosperous and have good success. So the new to the Bible, young adult is going to look at that read your Bible and have good success. Right. And then suddenly you, you get laid off and you're like, what the heck did the Bible did God's word fail me there? They were missing the study principles to help understand. Hey, Jesus also says in this world, you will face many struggles, but take heart. I have overcome it. Uh, but they're, they're so fresh. Those fresh eyes need somebody to help them understand. Uh, whereas the, the person who's like, I'm going to start in, in Genesis and is getting bogged down, needs somebody to come alongside them and maybe say, hey, let's start with John instead. Or let me read it with you so I can help you get through these tougher passages. And so there's, I, I say that to say there's like two camps of people, the eager zealous, and then the, I'm going to start at the beginning and I get discouraged very quickly uh, right. are kind of the two camps that I've observed. Well, even when you start at the beginning of Genesis, in our mind, as I think as Americans, we've cultured ourselves to think that this is how everything was start to beginning. Like this is chronological order. But to have somebody come in and be like, let's start here, I think is is brilliant. And let's do life alongside each other. And let's filter through the lens of the author and the people it's being written for and the person perceiving the message versus, well, if God said he's going to do it, okay, let's go. (laughs) Well, that doesn't always mean that there's wisdom in that so well and we had we had this moment emma season one we had just started this podcast and one of the people we wanted to talk to was our theology professor at north central university dr alan tennyson and the guy's a theologian he's brilliant and we were just grateful for his time Mm -hmm. and he said this one thing that i'll never forget and he said 
The greatest crisis in the American church today is the growing separation between the Bible and, and the believer. Like right. just mm-hmm. it's, it's mm-hmm. like they want to be married, but not s- sleep in the same bed. Right. And he's like, it's setting us up for divorce. And I was just like, oh my gosh. And I think it, like he said, it is difficult to exaggerate the importance of biblical literacy as a Christ follower. And so that is one of the reasons probably, but I'd like to hear your perspective on Emma, why do you believe that young adult ministry is important? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question Uh, because it's the next generation of church leaders. So I I would agree with that professor. Like there's such a huge separation between the Bible and believers. And and the next question I'd ask is why? And so I think my generation saw divorces increase, like mom and dad said they're Christians, but then what happened at home when we weren't, when it wasn't Sunday mornings, didn't reflect what was in the Bible at all. But we grew up, so I'm 25. We grew up in a church culture that's all about the fun. Youth group's fun. Games are fun. It's entertaining and engaging. And that's not bad by any means. I mean, Jesus taught in stories and illustration. That's we teach the illustrations at the porch. However, uh, what's that, what that has created is this consumer mentality. Mm. So I want to go to this church because I get less bored or I want to go to this church because it's more fun. But we're not thinking, I want to go to this church because they teach God's word rightly. Now, they might teach God's word rightly and be fun. And that's mm-hmm. awesome. Like, go to that church. It's not bad if it's fun. But what we're assessing is what's comfortable and familiar and keeps me excited. And there's this reality, like when we when we walk with Jesus, there are times that are so exciting and like it's the charge the mountain, camp high. I love following Jesus. Then there are times that are really hard and like mm-hmm. season of grief. But then there's this middle ground. That's just the day to day. Life's not necessarily really good or really bad. It's just kind of dry walking along the road. And in that time, am I looking for teaching that is excellent or teaching that's fun and entertaining or do I care? And that might be the better question is like, if, if you ask yourself, do I care? Uh, do you? Or do you just go, go where the wind blows when you feel like it? And if your feelings are in the driving seat, then there's a bigger problem for that young adult because we're not always going to feel like choosing what's best for us. Like, I don't always feel like eating broccoli, but I know it's good for me, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Tell it to our 14-month-old. Yeah. He wants Doritos instead right now. <laughs> we're learning. We're learning. It's discipleship. It's a process. Oh, funny. <laughs> Yeah. So I, I think there's, there's a, uh, there's this idea like you've got babies. So when your, your baby goes from milk to solid food, and then at some point they pick up the spoon and start feeding themselves, but you've got to teach them how to hold it, teach them how to feed themselves. And the same is true for us. Like when you start following Jesus, you need somebody to teach you how to feed yourself spiritually. So I think, uh, Acts eight, Philip's traveling and he comes across this Ethiopian eunuch who's reading, uh, reading scriptures. And he's, Philip's like, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And the guy says, how can I understand unless I have somebody to teach me? And so when, we, when we've lived in this consumer mentality where it's like the, the spoon choo-choo train coming up to the kid's mouth for your whole life, wow. you're never going to learn how to open your Bible and study it yourself. And, and so what, as I'm creating resources, my, the lens I'm putting on is like, 
hey, I want to meet, meet my peers where they are. So social media, that's an obvious given and communicate in a way that is engaging and captivating or piques your interest, whatever, um, but also not compromise depth and not create something that is pushing people away from the church. And that's a tension I feel like as I'm putting out resources, what would it look like to strategically push people back to the church? Uh, and and I, I still don't have that figured out, but that is the goal that I'd be pushing people towards people versus towards an Instagram page. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's so, so good. good. Emma, there's something that stood out to me and I feel like you nailed it on the head may not even may not even recognizing it or realizing it when you said it, but I wrote this down. And I put the silent cry of this generation was exactly what happened in Acts eight. When you said, um, when the word of, word of God said, like, how can I, how can I learn if I have nobody to teach me? And I think that's a cry of this generation because they're willing to Google everything. They're willing to Wikipedia, everything they're willing to YouTube it. How do I pray? You know, and if that's the number one question, I, at one time, that was the number one question. Like, how do I pray was popping up in Google all over the place with how, however many million hits, you know, and it just makes me think like, are we as leaders biblically literate enough to be the person to come alongside those people who feel like, you know, the eunuch did like, okay, well, here I am. I'm willing to learn. I'm hungry. I want to be a sponge, but where are the teachers? And I think that is a great um, calling out and a calling up of us as leaders to be in tune with the people that we're leading, to be in tune with what God is calling us to do, to be in tune with, like you just said, connecting people to people, not people to an Instagram page to make yourself look good or to make you feel good or to make us feel good mm-hmm. as um, however many likes, however many hearts, whatever it comments. And um, you said the word consumer and you have, I believe that we're all consumers in some regard, right? We have to consume the word of God. We have to consume um, aspects of, you know, Christianity and Christ following. But on the flip side of consumer, there is this thing that I believe you did and have done very well. I look forward to reading your book is you have become also a contributor. Yeah, You're contributing to the kingdom of God. You're contributing to the young adults around you um, and you're contributing in a way uh, that's something new for you. And that was one of your newest projects, your book that has come out. So can you share about like your newest book? Who's it for? And what do you hope they encounter when they read it as the, they'll be the consumer. So you're the contributor here. (laughs) Absolutely. So as I, as I prayed through, Hey, how do I equip people to feed themselves? What does that look like? I started with some Instagram posts that were, hey, simple questions to ask when studying your Bible. And the response I got was amazing. And I thought, honestly, this is just easy, like layup content. Uh, And people were like, no, this is like, we really need more of this. Can you do more of this? Can you make it a downloadable PDF? Uh, Can I stick it in my Bible? Those were the questions I was getting. And I was like, wow, like, yeah, I'd love to create that. And as I worked with uh, my my girl, Rebecca, who does all my graphic stuff, she was like, Emma, I think this should be a book. And my immediate reaction was, no, <laughs> like, I don't, I'm not ready to write a book. Uh, but then as she began to show me how she laid out the content, I caught the vision of what this what awesome. these could become. Wow. And the, the book is called A Guide to Studying Your Bible. So it's Bible study basics timeline overview, simple questions to ask, an example, how do I take what I read and apply it to my life? And when I wrote it, I had two people in mind. I had the person who's 
been taught how to study their Bible before, but they're just in a dry season. Like mm -hmm. what do I do when I don't feel like I should study my Bible? Because that's so real. Like even yeah. for me, I know it's good for me. I know it's best. There's still days when it's a grind. It is a, a disciplined choice. Uh, and then there's the person who's never done it before. What do I do when I don't know where to start? Mm -hmm. And this is for them as well. So it's kind of a twofold tension. I wrote it uh, as a as a blend between a like you could call it a graphic novel in a traditional in a traditional novel or book. So you've got some chapters that are like any other chapter book you'd pick up just text, but others where it's pictures and illustration and fill in the blank workbook style. Awesome. Just try to make it a little bit more engaging than just, hey, I'm just going to read, read a book about reading books or reading the, the most important book. Yeah. There is um, a project called Alabaster and it's this, oh, it's yes. this young adult. He, I heard his story. It's amazing. He is a graphic designer and he got saved and he looked at his Bible and it was black and white. And then in parts of the New Testament, it was red. And he just looked at it and he's like, surely we can do better. And, yeah. but, but that was his eye. That was like a God-given mm -hmm. gift to him was creativity and visual aesthetics that could be engaging. And mm -hmm. God is um, always creating beautiful imagery. And you look at the night sky or a sunset or a sunrise, like, he's mm -hmm. a painter and he's a creator and we're created in his likeness. So I I'm excited to see it. And I think that the launching of it too, it'll be available this fall. I think of all of the college ministries that might be looking for right. resources for small groups. Um, maybe there's somebody mm -hmm. who's a younger Emma daughter mm -hmm. who's like, I want to like study the Bible. I want to have a hunger for God's word with my friends. Mm -hmm. And how cool would that be to see small groups go through uh, a guide to studying your Bible together and just to check it out as a resource. Definitely. So good. And Emma, here's the thing. One of our favorite parts of this podcast <laughs> is pointing people to people. You said it earlier, the connection piece, and we call it five in five. Basically what it means is five questions, rapid fire. And um, five minutes, you get five minutes that we put on the clock. Do you, do you think you're up for a challenge like that? I'm up for it. Okay. You, you kick us off. Okay, here we go. Question one is if you could describe yourself in three words to somebody just getting to know you, what would they be? Three words. Uh, leader, laid back, and driven. Ooh, very nice. All right, question number two. Would you share a recent or favorite story of salvation, transformation, or life change? It can be in or outside of the ministry world. Okay, uh, favorite story, a gal named... Bella, who I led in college. So in college, I worked at a camp, think summer camp counselor. She was a counselor. I was her leader. And we got to the first weekend of camp and there, there was a rule, Hey, no, no alcohol for the summer. And she, she sat me down and was like, Emma, I don't think I can follow this rule. And as that conversation unfolded, uh, it boiled down to, I don't know if I actually know Jesus. Mm -hmm. And now Bella is chasing after Jesus. She's on her staff. She went with me to a speaking engagement last week. Like she is wow. going after it. Um, and it's funny because we sat on the porch and uh, talked about following camp, camp rules, you know, and now she's making moves for the kingdom. That's awesome. Praise God. That's amazing. And here's the curveball early on in this five and five question three. If you could ask Micah and I one question, anything, what would it be? Oh, I want to know. Uh, 
your favorite episode of the podcast? Oh my gosh. There's been a hundred of them. As of this week, there's been a hundred. So we're we're coming off that celebration. Um, Okay. Maybe not favorite. That's not fair. What's like a most memorable? Most memorable. Oh my gosh. I feel like I'm having a major brain fart right now. You want to go? Yeah, I'll I'll go. Honestly, I think that um, for us as leaders and um, just like you have moments of like, is what we're doing making a difference? Mm -hmm. And recently, John Bevere's team um, discovered the podcast and they requested him to come on. And it was just like many times, like we reached out to you and that was fun, but it's, there's something about it when it comes the other way. Mm -hmm. And he encouraged the snot out of Mike and I, maybe I was just in one of those days where it's like (laughs) having some doubts or like, should we keep doing this? Is this being a blessing to people? And we've talked to amazing people like Jonathan Pakluda, David Mm -hmm. Marvin, some of the leaders in your work, Ben Stewart, they've been on the podcast, but there was something about John Bevere saying, I'm 64 years old. And we wanted to do Mm. this episode because I've never done a podcast for young leaders. And he just said, the work that you're doing matters. It's making a difference. You need to keep going. And I don't know if you've heard him speak at all, but he's, he's fired up and he knows how to like provoke you to action and provoke you to deeper thought. And when he said that, I was like, let's keep going. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here's one of my favorite memories. Okay. So I can have two. One is from Passion City Church, Brad Jones. I love his heart behind ministry. He is who he's on stage is who he's on screen. Like he's just fun. He's kind of goofy. He's kind of playful, but just to get to know him more was super fun. Um, kind of maybe off script was super fun. Yeah. Um, which I was surprised by because sometimes you're like, okay, how and who are they really? And then you get to meet them and you're like, oh my gosh, that was so much fun. And um, so I would say definitely him, but the other gentleman is Jim Stovall. So if you don't know who he is, he wrote uh, The Ultimate Gift. He wrote a multitude of books and has actually impacted the blind community because he lost his sight in his twenties. And just a challenging question that he had for Josiah and myself, and I've probably said this before on the podcast, but it's really stuck with, I think, Josiah and and myself, both of us. And that is, what would you do if you knew you were, is it amazing? Amazing. Like, what would you do if you knew you were amazing? And to really process that internally and to look at what are my fears? What are my doubts? What are my worries? Where am I holding back and why? Is it because it's a trust issue with God? Is it like a broken part of me? Is it something that I need to experience freedom in? Like, it's just a, such a deep question where you could roll it off and be like, if I knew I was amazing, I'd do this. But if you truly let that settle in, you're like, wow, like, what would I do if I was amazing? And God would like, God's on our side. <laughs> we know? are amazing. Yeah, he we, calls us his yeah, masterpiece. He yeah. calls us his, you know, chosen people, a royal priesthood, his special possession. Yeah. So that's one question I think that's really stuck with me early on in the podcasting world. So Hopefully somebody's encouraged by that. If you knew where you're amazing, what would you do? You know, and take that, take that journal about it for a little bit. (laughs) Great question, Emma. All right. Question number four, would you be willing to tell us one of, maybe you've experienced it. It's an epic failure that you've experienced in life or leadership. Would you be willing to go there with our audience today? For sure. Uh, Epic failure. I mean, not choosing to not live in the light. 
like to hide sin, uh, be it when I was in high school or even uh, in college, like porn is a real thing. Like, yeah. what does it look like? To bring that into the light, especially as a female. Like mm-hmm. that is a, uh, a scary thing that guys talk about it a lot, but what does that look like for girls? And the, the failure I made was concealing that for too long uh, mm-hmm. because wow. I, I, oh, this sin, this is the only sin I can't, I can't bring into the light and find freedom from. But once I took that step of faith to invite community in and accountability, it was like, wow, this is, this is what it looks like to, to be fully known and to walk in the light as Jesus calls us to, but it was scary. Uh, Yeah. Emma, thank you for going there. I think it's just incredible when, when you've experienced and tasted the freedom and the joy on the other side of forgiveness and obedience Mm -hmm. and just the grace that God meets you with mercy and peace. Um, that's our hope is that Mm -hmm. what you just described that for the listener, if they're wrestling with something, whether it's porn, like you mentioned, or a different secret sin, um, right. Scripture makes it clear that what is done in darkness will be brought to light and we have the opportunity to bring it to light or it could come to light at any moment publicly. Yeah. And, and so I think that the, I yeah. just want to say thank you for going there. And we want to be a community that rallies around people who are in the midst right. of a struggle 100%. and offer encouragement and support and prayer. Um, if you could close on this note though, Emma, okay. picture, picture this. A room is filled with college pastors and young adult ministry leaders. Maybe uh, recently, maybe it looks a lot like the the collective, right? And you could leave every listener with one thing. We handed you the microphone. What would you tell them today? I'd say your your people probably don't know their Bibles as well as you think they do. Like like even I've seen that to be true in myself. We always want to want to grade ourselves a little higher. So be it how many people were at an event or how well do I think I did on a uh, test when I was doing my seminary program? Like we want to, we want to project the most optimistic uh, umbrella over, over the people we're leading, but the, the odds are like take it down five points, 10 points, 15, 20 points, uh, because we're going to try to communicate to our leaders. When we look at our college pastors and, mm-hmm. and our young adult pastors, as a young adult, I look up to you so much that I want you to see me in a certain way. Right. There's going to be this tendency, uh, maybe, I don't know if it's necessarily a performance mentality, but just this desire to be uh, a better Christian, whatever that, whatever that looks like. But the reality is we don't know our Bibles as well as we think we do because we're young. And so we need you guys to teach us and to lead us because we haven't been doing it as long as y'all have. And that's a fact. That's so good. And I think just to kind of take it one step deeper, Emma, what I hear you saying is like, it's a need to be seen in a positive light Yep. because if yeah. we're in a form of leadership, well, I want them to like, I want to have the right answer. I want to know the right answer. And I think sometimes we need to be, have a humble heart in those moments to recognize, you know what? I don't know the answer, but let's find out together. And when you invite the people who are asking the questions along with you as the leader, they're going to respect, appreciate, and know that you're more authentic um, than what they thought you were at the beginning. And that helps us remove ourselves from the pedestal of leadership or pastoralship or whatever that is. And because two things I tell every girl that I mentor, I'm like, I just need you to know that I'm not God and I'm not the Holy Spirit. 
but I do know who God is and I have a relationship with him. And I can and do believe in being led by the Holy Spirit and in tune with the Holy Spirit. And just so you know, that it just, it helps eliminate that pedestal that anybody can put us on, whether it's a stage, a platform, um, social media spotlight. So for the listener, who's really kind of wrestling with that, I think Emma said it perfectly. Like we need to um, take a look and if we were to remove the umbrella, who would be left, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And, and then when they do ask questions, like affirm it, encourage it. So I'll get the DM and they're like, Hey, I'm so sorry to bother you. I just had this question and that phrase, I'm so sorry to bother you. And I'm like, Hey, this, it's not a bother. Like, I love to talk about God's word, like keep asking questions. And if as leaders, we have that posture that invites it in Mm -hmm. that umbrella will naturally begin to be pulled back of like, Oh, they want to ask questions. Mm -hmm. We just need the space for it. Right. That's so good. And there's no stupid question. Anytime I feel stupid asking a question, if you're a leader and you want a little tactic, I always, I always say, this may sound stupid or silly, but I have a question. It's like, this may be stupid. They're like, no, there's no stupid questions. I go, but this one might be stupid <laughs> because it makes me feel insecure. Like I'm the person in the room raising my hand. And I was like, okay, am I the only one? And then at the end of a, a class I've been in or whatever setting, they're like, I'm so glad you asked because I didn't have the courage to do it. I was like, wow, why do I got to be the one that sacrifices by, oh, humility. That's the word. Yep. I need that. <laughs> and as leaders, there's a, it's a it's a, I don't know. Right. Yes. Right. Let's find out. And like you said, let's find out together, or let me go talk to somebody and get back to you and we'll sit down and have a cup of coffee, or let me send you this resource. Like it's a great play. You know, um, just to close, this is my closing thought. You had shared how people will DM you and say, sorry to bother you. Mm -hmm. And there's a little bit of a fear or timidity that can rise up in any of us. Like, I don't want to be a bother. Mm -hmm. I I know this person's busy. And I wonder how many people, how many gals have a question that they'd love for you to answer, but they were afraid Mm -hmm. and they didn't have the courage to just send a DM or send a, send a quick question in or comment. And we had an experience. There was a young adult gal was attended eventually our ministry for a while and then moved out of state. But before she left, she told us her story, right. how she would drive up to the house that we met in and she'd sit in her car and she was afraid to come inside mm-hmm. because it was all new people. So I wonder if part of our, but then role, she would drive away and she'd never, and come she'd drive in. Away, never came in. It took her like weeks to get up the courage. Wow. And I just mm-hmm. wonder how many of us as leaders, if part of our role is something like you say this often to decrease people's fear, yep. but to increase their curiosity. And just, mm-hmm. if we can be a non-anxious presence mm-hmm. who encourages, who mm-hmm. um, exudes joy, but also welcomes any question or welcomes anyone to the table that there's, there's always room for one more. So Emma, we just want to say thanks for your time today. Yes. So uh, if you want to find out more about Emma daughter, the porch and a guide to studying your Bible, you can connect with us at youngadults.today as well as our social media across all platforms. And it is at youngadults.today. Until next time, this is Micah and Josiah signing off with Emma daughter. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Plug me in. I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.